Hello, my name is Ernie Vecchio, author, trauma psychologist, and mentor, inviting you to join me on the Heart is Compass podcast. As is always the case, the path forward is inward. I will see you on the inside. This humane spectrum that I was telling you about now has come to fruition, and I've created what I'm calling the integrative holistic diagnostic doesn't exist in the culture anywhere, and uh, it's unique to my work. The uh, people that are eclectic, uh, who call themselves that, which many therapists do, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to be addressing CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, transpersonal psychology, psychodynamic psychology, and then psychospiritual, which is the, the intentional guided evolution stuff that I came up with and a humane spectrum piece. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm putting it all together so that once I give this to somebody, I can literally place them on this spectrum and they can see where they are. And of course, the humane spectrum is just varying degrees of benevolence, mm-hmm. and which, which is how, how well you um, show empathy or compassion towards yourself and others. And I've got a neurological piece, which so I'm looking at right left hemisphere of the brain. I'm looking at um, objective personality dynamics and projective, which is internal unconscious material. I'm just kind of merging it all together in one piece, Irma. And it's and I'm really quite pleased with it. And and back in I don't know the 90s when I was working with psychiatry quite a bit back in those days, they used to say to me all the time when they got my reports that they felt like that they knew these people. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, how are you doing that? How are you getting to know these people so well in such a brief amount of time? And uh, and that was then. That has incredibly been amplified and sophisticated now where not only do I know these people, I know them better than they know themselves. Mm-hmm. And now so too will the clinician. And I think the client will appreciate it because they they will absolutely meet the client where they are. And it doesn't have to be through a label. although the label is still applicable. It doesn't have to be through the label. It can just be through the symptoms and through the dynamics that they're presenting. But, uh, and so then what I'm going to do is put it into, um, into a course. I'm just going to teach it. I'm going to teach people how to, to give the battery of instruments that I put together and then how to interpret what they have and then how to then integrate it with all of the models of theory that they have been exposed to. So yeah, you gave me the idea when you said in one of our, our discussions about the aim of my work. Mm-hmm. And what stuck with me was the word aim. In my head, I saw crosshairs like you see when you look through a yeah. a like rifle, a, right? Like the target. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's exactly what I've done. I've put crosshairs on this diagram, which ends up being a four, it's a, a, a pie diagram. It's broken into four quadrants. And then I'll be able to place that site, if you will, at the center of that, of the testing that I've done, and then show them how far off center they are. Oh, gosh. From one quadrant to the other. And and everybody's going to lean to the left or the right. Nobody's going to be perfectly centered on this just by the, just by the idea that, it, that all of us have ego dysfunction. What are the quadrants? Cognitive, logic, distress. Spiritual, intuitive consciousness, physical imprint or echo, emotional contagion or perspective. One is left hemisphere, one is right hemisphere, the brain, 
and one represents the body and one represents uh, your subjective internal life. So that's how all that breaks down. It's our symbolic of left and right hemisphere of the brain. Mm-hmm. The right quadrant, which is spiritual, intuitive, and consciousness, is um, is is all of your unconscious material and the imprint of which you came in with. And then the other is the echo or the imprint that that, that your experiences have on the body. Mm-hmm. And all of this comes through the brain? This is this includes both the brain and the body. So so it is the mind of the words, not the brain. It's the mind. The mind, okay. Yeah, and mindfulness, of course, is brain and body both. This is so exciting, Ernie. I'm so glad to hear this. Oh my goodness. The whole concept of the humane spectrum does not exist, mm-hmm. um, but it will once I become public with it. So, do you have like a a type of therapy beyond what's already out there it's a type of therapy only Irma, in the sense that it's like a spiritual as you and i said before you can't bypass the human ego i mean mm-hmm. i mean you can't do that and call yourself spiritual so integrated not only whoever ends up teaching this but whoever is a receiver of it if they use it, which um, it sounds like it's intended to be used, it points them in direction in the direction of becoming um, an integrated person as far as being um, connected to beyond the physical, to their higher self, something beyond the ego, and to become a whole person. Put a boat in the water, okay, in your head, mm-hmm. and now have that boat having to be balanced, it is weighted in such a way so it so it, it has a center that is equal to the gravity of the boat depending on which way it tilts to the left or the right. And the boat is built in such a way that it kind of sits in the water in kind of a buoyant way. And remember mm-hmm. buoyancy uh requires water. Water is emotion. Gravity is the force that's coming from above which in this case would be spiritual gravity. And so I'm literally able to take the concept of buoyance and metacentric uh, concept and say, okay, if spiritual gravity is real, and it is, <laughs> and we are off center. So in other words, I could take that same logic and superimpose that over top of the humane spectrum, over top of that crosshairs, and literally have the same thing. Wow. Oh, and uh, which shows how we are off balance in relationship to our emotions, how we are off balance in relationship to our gravity that we live inside of, which is the, the subjective universe that we're in. And then I found biocentric stuff that also is saying the same thing. So the spiritual piece of, of all of this, and I know we must have talked about this so many different times. How do you define spiritual in connection to this body of work that you've put together? Well, spiritual in, in the body of work is is that you have uh, you come into the world spiritual. Remember, you're born a spiritual animal and are forced to be a psychological animal. Mm-hmm. And and the gap between those two things is really what psychology calls pathology. Uh, so, so spirituality in, in this context is you come into the world without ego. You have two and a half years with no ego. And at a cellular level, the body remembers that. Okay. 
And then as soon as you take on ego, which is with the onset of language, uh, you then get knocked off center and spend the rest of your life trying to get back to that non-egoic place. Of course, what trauma does is wake you up to it a lot faster than just kind of waiting for luck or chance. My mind goes to a place of before the sperm and egg start forming into the the baby, question in my mind goes to the place of what's before that? What's what's before that is consciousness. Okay, that. Yeah, and, and of course you could call that soul. Okay. Uh, yeah, Be- because remember the soul wants... Once you get a drop of consciousness contained, then it becomes an individual soul. Uncontained, it is a collective soul and or collective consciousness, no matter how you, no matter how you break that down. So keep in mm-hmm. mind that consciousness is a subjective term and the universe is a subjective place. Uh, it isn't objective. So the subjectivity of consciousness and all that that includes in its in its entirety would be one big massive soul which we call god see this this piece right here that you're saying i think is is so big and so important in the sense of how people interpret all of this because when people talk about spiritual and they talk about soul usually where they're coming from when they're talking about soul has ego attached to it because they're saying, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. my, my, well, and there, yeah, well, well, the soul doesn't have identity. That's, that's the Christian concept that you, that your soul will go to heaven and it will hold on to its identity. Well, that identity would have to be ego because the soul doesn't have an identity beyond that. What it has instead is an expression just like a note of music. And so that's why I said before, just like being born a, a C sharp and having to live as a B flat. But and all you want to do is just kind of get back to your C sharpness, whatever that is. But um, what is it that expression, if it's one big collective soul, which people call God, a lot of people call God, one big collective soul or collective consciousness, what then gives the egg and sperm that turns into the baby, What, where does that unique... Well, that's where space and time come in. That's where space and time come in. Okay. That, uh, yeah, that, that it's, it's like when you drop a pebble into the water, it creates ripples. Well, the space and time is every one of those sing- single uh, lines of ripples. So, so when you come into this space and time, uh, is a is a living being. You're coming in, uh, kind of under what I would call a galactic clock, if you would. There's and a so, timing. There's a timing there. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like what the Mayans say. I mean, the Mayans, you know, like I told you on your birthday, you come in in the Mayan culture. Your name, vocation, and purpose are all in your birth date. And so it's the same kind of concept is that you come in to the universe on a frequency. We could argue that you and I came in on the same frequency mm-hmm. simply because of our connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we came in at different time and different space. Mm-hmm. But the frequency was identical. And, uh, and so we connect on that print, on that imprint of that mm-hmm. frequency. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's how it gets kind of contained.
Moving from the concept of collective soul to individual soul is always confusing, mm-hmm. no matter how you no matter how you talk about it. But for me, it just makes sense that it's a fingerprint, if you will, of a time and space of which you enter this existence, and it in and of itself is unique. Mm-hmm. And all it wants to do is just express that uniqueness, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And then it's and then it is, of course isn't allowed to. I even have an exercise that I can give somebody that literally tells them what chemicals they are high or low in, dopamine, serotonin, testosterone, and in the estrogen piece, and how that fits into this as well. And I'm also doing uh, a, neuro, a brief neurological exam, which is maybe 25 or some odd questions and some things I'm having you do to find out which side of the brain you operate out of the most. In, in the Western world, we predominantly are left hemisphere. In the Eastern part of the world, the Eastern philosophies are right hemisphere. And so the whole goal is to become whole-brained, right? Mm-hmm. Well, so the whole concept of whole-brainness also fits into this concept. And nobody's walking around whole-brained is my point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everybody's leaning to the left or the right. Truly spiritual people have cultivated their right side. We know them in the culture as creative people, artistic people, because that's where your creativeness and your artistic stuff comes from is the right side. And I'm also uh, taking the interpretation of intelligence testing, and I'm totally reinterpreting it in a way that is useful to a therapist and to the client. I'm literally telling somebody how they process and use information and how well they're dealing with their life as it is. There's what happened, and then, then there's your interpretation of what happened, and here's what's interfering with that interpretation. Your receptive and expressive vocabulary, your ability to hold information in awareness how you perceptually organize and can fluidly see context and how you auditorily and can do something from start to finish so it's kind of processing information. So from a therapist's point of view, a coach's point of view, a counselor's point of view, this is going to be invaluable information. Say that somebody goes through this process, okay, and the therapist or the coach or whoever is is doing this with them sees the whole picture of their client, Mm -hmm. right? What they're going to see is all the places where they're out of balance, what needs work, what needs strengthening. They're going to see how that fits into their orientation. Okay. Every, Every therapist has an orientation. Every coach, everybody has an orientation. So what they're going to do next is, okay, how does this fit into my orientation? So in other words, what tools do they have that they can now use to right the boat, so to speak? Uh, and, some, and some clinicians will have more tools than others, of course. And some, and some clinicians will be, uh, have really broad orientations and be able to embrace the majority of it. Uh, if you're a CBT therapist, you're going to still do CBT therapy. So it's not going to change. It's not going to change people. What it will do is give people an opportunity to broaden their skill level. Let's say they want to become psychodynamic, or they want to become transpersonal, or they want to understand intentional guided evolution. They now have a way to do that. Mm-hmm. They have an outline of how to do that. What this will do will give the um, eclectic therapist, which many people call themselves eclectic these days at least find where their orientation fits into the information that they have. People are being psychologically evaluated every day. And what the counselor gets is an IQ score and a diagnosis, mm-hmm. a mental status report, a social history, 
you know, some sense of what the problem, what the presenting problem is, and they get a diagnosis and they're treating labels and it's symptom driven. My report is going to be so far beyond that, they're, they're going to be able to do so much more with it, depending upon their skill level. Wow. This is like really mind-blowing stuff. My mind like fast forwards into a faraway future where really through a program like this, with help, it could actually create a superior human being, not superior in an ego sense. When you said that word one day to me about, you know, the aim of your work, mm-hmm. and, 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 and you were saying it kind of generically at the time, you were just saying, well, you know, the aim of your work is blah, 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 and the aim of your work is this. And I thought, well, you know, the aim of my work to me is clear, and mm-hmm. to you it's clear, mm-hmm. but to somebody mm-hmm. who doesn't know anything about it, the aim of my work was not clear. The humane spectrum gave me the last piece. So what I'm able to do with this is to say that um, what you have in front of you is a human being. Whatever adjustments they're making to this existence requires guidance. Mm-hmm. And, and here is the tools to do that. And here is the way to do that. And here's the direction you need to go. So the point being is, is that the way the world's set up right now in the stigma that's attached to, to mental illness is, is that somehow they're abnormal and it's our job to kind of ostracize them for their abnormality. What if we're people that are abnormal and they're just fine as long as we treat them like they're fine? Oh, my God. <laughs> So, in other words, they're perfect in their imperfections, but we don't, we, the general public, do not see disabled people that way. So, this thing that I'm throwing together, this integrative holistic diagnostic, which is what I'm calling it, is a way for them to treat the human being no matter what they present mm-hmm. as. Mm-hmm. And, if, and you don't have to label it, but you do have to see it. And you have to understand what balance and buoyancy and what that center represents. And that's what the soul's function is, is it is the, is the world tips our boat, the soul's trying to right that boat. Oh my God. And the distance between those two things is what we call disorder. Oh my God. I mean, this, yeah. see, my mind like goes fast forward into a faraway future. I mean, this could, it could, and, and dare I say should, could become some kind of educational system, some kind of... um... So guess what the humane spectrum is built on? Guess what the core point of why somebody should care where they fall on the spectrum? Because the more centered you are, the less moral you are and the more ethical you become. So literally, it it, it writes the context of morality to the ethic of which the heart is in constant awareness of. The heart is aware of true north. It is aware of your ethic. And, uh, and that's why we describe, or at least I describe passion. You know, passion of ego is lacking and passion of the heart is longing. Well, the longing of the heart is to be upright, to be buoyant, to be centered. And if it's off-center, then it's only off-center because the world, which is spiritual gravity in general, is off-center. And spiritual gravity is real. I went out to California a, a month ago uh, 
I went to the wedding. She's marrying a guy from India, and he's Hindu and quite spiritual and just a sweetheart of a guy. I was wearing my T-shirt that had my formula on it. Mm-hmm. E squared minus HC is S to the 10th power. Mm-hmm. He goes, what's that earning? I just turn around and read the back of it. Mm-hmm. When the human ego is exaggerated and the heart is minus, is, is removed as compass, then suffering uh, increases tenfold. He looked at me and went, well, E equals MC squared. <laughs> it was great. I mean, could have had a better reaction. The needle turns an arm, compass heart. Do you ever get the feeling it's pointing to the start? Something so much bigger. So much better